Well, Laura. Well done. London. London. Protesting. I know, it was what great. An absolute ledge. So proud of you. Oh, thank you. It was it was really, really lovely. It was really exciting and I really enjoyed it. And it's just so funny, obviously, because we, we were literally just talking about it on the podcast about finding out about not being allowed legally to protest. Yeah. And then it was like, I'm going. I'm bloody going. I'm going to go and defend our right to, to protest. And the, the people protesting, striking today, is just incredible to see. Yeah. So the Enough is Enough campaign is fantastic. And we just stand in solidarity with all of the workers. Pay the people. Let there be unions. Like, it's just absolutely criminal what they're trying to do. Um, and it was incredible to be at Downing Street among so many absolute legends. Yeah, loved it. It's just been all activism, activism, tour, tour, tour. Yeah, it's been all go. a lot of plates. And I've, I'm back at uni. I've only been back for like one and a half weeks. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. <laughs> and um, yeah, we've also had our first ever interview out which is very exciting. Yeah. So if you've not heard it, or if you don't follow her already, you need to go to ADHD Untangled and listen to the Untangled podcast by the legendary Rosie Turner. She is so lovely. She's a yoga instructor who's uh, neurodivergent and just really mucking in, using everything that she's learned and her own experience to talk about, you know, channeling your strengths, getting untangled. And it's fantastic. We love chatting to her, didn't we? Yeah, it was such a great wee chat. Yeah. And we've really got another it. interview coming out yeah. with the wonderful Claire Jacobs from Singapore and Pessimist on her podcast called Mind Vox Pod. And we're really excited about that as well. We absolutely love Claire. But I tell you what, it's scary. Yeah. Because I talk so much nonsense. And then we can't sit back and go, can you take that out? Because I sound like an absolute buffoon. Well, that's So it. I'm dreading that one coming out as well. That, that's it. When we, when we interview people, it's great because... We ask we're in the control of what goes out as well. We ask the questions and we're in control of what goes out. And what like, we you don't even hear in. half of the tangents that I go off on. Like, Dawn, Dawn makes me sound less ridiculous than I am. Not at all. But, um, yeah. Sometimes I have to re record things I've said because I've been completely <laughs> incoherent. I'm like, that doesn't come out the way it was supposed to. But, um, yeah, it's so wonderful connecting with everybody and we're just really feeling the community vibes right now within our own community that we've created on Patreon. Um, doing the morning body doubling and all of that is just wonderful. But yeah, just chatting to everybody. We need to make noise. We need to make as much noise as we can. That's what we came here to do. And with the help of Kat, it's, it's making us be brave enough to speak out in public and, and start doing the things, yeah, you know? Yeah, because I honestly don't have a bloody clue. So people like Kat are a godsend, yeah. you know, just helping us out. Helping us figure out what we can do. So thank you to everybody who's getting behind the activism. Activism, activism, tour, tour, tour. I swear we will have tour dates sorted soon, but oh my God, there just aren't enough hours in the day. And that's not a whinge because it's such a privilege to have a platform and we love what we're doing. And Absolutely. And we, you know, literally live and breathe you know, ADHD awareness and, and trying to, to make change happen. But yeah, we are spinning a lot of plates. Yeah. And somebody who's very good at spinning a lot of plates is our next guest. Yeah. So our next guest is the wonderful Abigail Adje. Yes, she is such a absolute ledge. Abigail Adje, MBE nonetheless. MBE. That's incredible. This incredible lady is an award-winning senior policy advisor, diversity, equity and inclusion champion 
and neurodiversity advocate with over eight years experience in building and maintaining strong working relationships with community groups and supporting voluntary and marginalised groups. In 2020, she won the Civil Service Rising Star Award, which is the same year that she got diagnosed with ADHD in 2020 or found out that she had ADHD but she'll tell you more about her journey very shortly Abigail is also one of the top 50 most influential neurodivergent women uh, by Beyond Women Beyond the Box and she recently did a TEDx at the University of Essex on ADHD in black women I mean give the girl a medal she doesn't need one she got one on Prince Charles (laughs) (laughs) I like like what you did there I like what you did there you're welcome um yeah, Abigail Waterledge. We just loved speaking to Abigail. Such a great conversation. So yeah, this wonderful woman. Just enjoy. We'll stop yeah. talking. Let's Leave go. ADHD as females. ADHD as females. The podcast. Hi, I'm Dawn. Hi, I'm Laura. And, and we, we are ADHD, ADHD AF. Seriously. We are two neurodivergent neighbours who moved to the same street at the same time, at the same age, with the same undiagnosed disability. What are the chances? Since discovering the enormous impact ADHD has had on our lives and the horrifying numbers of missing undiagnosed females, it has become our mission to make some serious noise. We want to use our voices to raise awareness, break the stigma and share our experiences in the hope that they help others. So join us for a chat, or as it's called up here in Aberdeen, a blether. (laughs) (laughs) Trigger warning, we will be covering some really sensitive topics, so please do have a read of the description of each episode before listening. It's important to note that we are not medical professionals. We're not therapists or coaches. We're not qualified to offer advice or support. What we will do is share our experiences alongside resources and information from professionals. We will talk over each other (laughs) and we will go off topic and forget the point (laughs) mid-sentence. We are both assigned female at birth, which means that we can only speak from the experience of life as AFAB people. However, ADHDAF is an inclusive space. Whatever your gender, you are very welcome here. Yes, you are. ADHDS females, So we are very excited to have a very special guest. This is actually our first interview of the year. I know. Can you believe that? This is very exciting. So welcome, Abigail. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So will you tell our listeners who you are and your occupation, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, happy to. Really happy to be here. Um, So uh, my name's Abigail. I'm a senior policy advisor, so that's like the day role. And I work in um, early years health. So my main focus at the moment is working on making sure we're supporting the early years workforce. So health visitors, midwives, making sure it's diverse and they have the skills and training they need to support families and babies that's kind of the main day role thing that I do but I'm really passionate about intersectional identities Mm -hmm. and I've had kind of a career in and out the civil service supporting like marginalized communities and amplifying their voices so I'm I also have ADHD and dyspraxia so I'm also like a diversity and equity and inclusion champion and neurodiversity advocate so a lot of um, the work I do there and I'm really passionate about is making sure that 
all of us are able to get ADHD diagnosis, especially um, black women, as they tend to be misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed for ADHD. So that's kind of a lot of what I've been doing the last few years. I'm really passionate about I did a TEDx on that last year. And just yeah, drop so that one. Just, 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 just do it. I was trying to wait and say, I'm like, you are a busy, busy girl. Uh, try, trying to do too much. Too much all at once. But yeah, that was like a really amazing, I think, yeah. Yeah, giving me more opportunities to do things like this and like talk about that. So yeah, what an incredible achievement! I'm so so oh, jealous. I'm still really you. burnt. I've applied twice to do the ten oh, and well, they don't want me. If any any tips I have, it was kind of a journey. I think sometimes it's all about, I guess, sourcing like variety of like universities and stuff. That yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a ball game, isn't it? But that's fantastic. You've also got an MBE, haven't you? Yeah, I don't know. I get really shy about that. It's still very surreal. But yeah, what I got. I'd be like, I know, I know. My mom's always like, "Where is it?" I've like literally got it hidden somewhere. Like it should be on show, but I'm like, I'll lose it or something will happen to it. So it's like up there somewhere. I should have brought it out. But yeah, I got that last. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing where it's a badge of honor. But um, yeah, I got that last year, which is really lovely and still very surreal. So, um, public and community service work. When I was working in my last department which is the Department of Leveling Up and Communities. I did a lot of work and community engagement work with ethnic minority communities and faith communities over the pandemic. And some of those lovely people in the race network I worked with put a submission together. So yeah, I thought it was a joke when it first came through the post. I was like, Uh, and they seem to tell anyone. So I'm like, who do I? So I had to like call them to be like, is this real? Really? So, do you know what? So my oh mum's my, ac- my mum's actually got an MBE. Oh when, yeah. And when she got the letter, she thought it was a wind-up. Yeah. She rang me said. up saying, Yeah, right. It says here the Prime Minister has requested my presence at Buckingham Palace. Nice one, Nora. And I was like, No, really. That's nothing. I've to got do nothing with to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing oh achievement, God. though. Well yeah, it was, it's it is really nice and yeah very very surreal but it was nice yeah got to go to Windsor Castle and meet the now king he was Prince Charles at the time so yeah yeah very yeah, very, it's very amazing surreal. I really do think it's wonderful it's like you know it means that you've given your life in service to your country and it's been recognized I just think that's incredible so well done you thanks so much <laughs> Amazing. So let's get into the questions. How did you come to suspect you had ADHD? Um, it was how did I first suspect? So I from yeah, what I remember was the article I first read. So that was 2018. And Penny Bell, I don't know if you've heard of her, she's an amazing like mental health advocate. So Penny Bell, yeah, I saw an article that she had put together about getting her ADHD diagnosis at 30. It was like a BBC article. And I just remember Mm. like reading it and thinking, oh, this is really interesting. And then like kind of reading her symptoms and kind of like feeling her mind was constantly on overload and that she would like just be disorganized and feel physically and like emotionally burnt out and things like that. And I was like, this sounds like me. This is like my story. (laughs) All the dots start to connect. I was like, oh, hold up. Yeah, this isn't. (laughs) This, there's something this is a normal so yeah I remember reading that and and thinking oh wow and thinking ADHD like it's nothing I'd ever associate like I hadn't yeah. associated with anything other than like hyperactive boys I wasn't aware of ADHD so yeah as we do I went down like kind of a rabbit hole reading about loads of it and thinking yeah oh my god wow this all this stuff all this information became obsessed with a lot of the stuff Penny was doing at the time because at that time there wasn't anyone really anyone else really talking about it so yeah mm-hmm. just kind of went found that loophole and kind of yeah would use information that she would like post as kind of like a guide and then they didn't do 
too much with it. And then 2020, yeah, I didn't really think about kind of the diagnosis at that time. Mm. I kind of just thought, okay, let me just like, I guess, use the strategies and advice she gives. And then 2020, I think as for like for a lot of people, things were just really feeling like they're exacerbated and I was just feeling exhausted and I was like I think I actively need to kind of really look into this yeah like what the process is about of actually getting this diagnosis because that was something that I just wasn't clear about as well so decided to first go to my workplace and kind of let them know and they kind of like we can get you an occupational like health kind of appointment Mm -hmm. so you can speak to them from like a workplace assessment like if you need support there but we don't know what else we could really do past kind of that so I spoke to them and they were able to kind of give me a workplace assessment and they kind of did a test and said, yeah, it does seem like your symptoms are do go with ADHD. So I was like, OK, then. But they were like, yeah, but this is an official diagnosis. I was like, OK, so what exactly would be the next step? So I kind of took that to my GP and yeah. then spoke to um, my GP. And initially my GP was kind of not fobbing me off, but was like, oh, are you sure? It's not just kind of anxiety or some like other stuff. There's a lot going on. Yeah. This is like, yeah, the height of the pandemic, the height of, um, of Lives Matter. And I do a lot in my workplace, like working with that in community and um, the race network as well. So he was just like, is it not just all that? And I was like, no, I feel like there's just a lot going on in that. This kind of, of all these problems have always been there, but it just, yeah, it does feel like it's exacerbated at the moment, but I feel like I need that support. Then I think I saw something on social media about the right to choose option because I was kind yes. of navigating the ADHD process. I was aware of kind of the, like you've got the NHS step and then you've kind of got that further step, I guess, to go with the Psychiatry UK provider. So I was like, OK, let me get this letter together, I'll give it to my GP. And I was like, I want to go with this provider. Can you make sure that's kind of goes to them? And then, yeah, it was having to be a lot of kind of checking in with my GP because the forms just didn't seem to, everything seemed yeah. to be stuck. I'd be calling Psychiatry UK. They're like, they'd be like, we haven't received anything. And yeah, it seemed to be a few months of that back and forth. Then the letter seemed to go to them. And then, yeah, it's kind of that process of filling in the forms. Sorry, typical ADHD says, was the initial question about the process or just how? As, well, as I mean, that, that is yeah. the next question. Yeah. I'm already answering it. So, this so is yeah, great. I'm already going route to already racing ahead. But yeah, basically, it was Penny. It was Penny Bell that made me realise I first had ADHD. That's it. So many people, like, the pandemic was just such was like the moment. And it's, yeah. and it's because, obviously, as undiagnosed ADHD, as we've, like, built all of these coping strategies around ourselves unknowingly and then you don't get to do them we're so used to masking and I think it can get to those like so many of the women I've spoken to it does end up being a lot of these key milestones whether that's like university or something else happened having yeah. to balance those things or motherhood where like kind of that light bulb clicks where it's something else yeah that's it yeah we we speak to a lot of people also with menopause mm. because yes, that that's, that's like such a well. huge hormonal influx just making it impossible to to manage you know Mm. yeah yeah so where did we get to I know so yeah so speak more about the the diagnosis process so you you said you went right to choose how was the diagnosis process for you how long once you'd have to chase after that bit yeah so March they were finally like yeah we've got your information you're kind of on the waiting list and then it was September 2021 that I got my official diagnosis so it was Mm -hmm. that like six month period so not as bad even though that yeah. does sound long it's actually not as bad as a lot of people I think currently trying to navigate the NHS system so yeah that was that six months and then yeah I think in that time that's when I did have to fill out some of those forms in terms of like I guess the questions about kind of looking at your childhood and adulthood and some of those symptoms that come up they asked me to give the same questions to somebody 
close to me. Mm-hmm. So my yeah. partner, he filled that in, which is really interesting to like kind of just yeah. things you don't realize and him being like, yeah, yeah, all this stuff. <laughs> Am I going to be offended? Am I going to yeah, be offended literally. by any of these answers here? Because you had it, didn't you, with yeah. a friend? And it was like, she was like, you know, please don't be offended that I've marked you highly here. And you're like, well, I'm not like that. It's like, well. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. so interesting to be like, yeah, she'll just leave tasks. She'll be doing the washing and then she'll just leave that, go off somewhere else. She can't watch like certain programs she won't be able to watch for ages but if she's really interested in something she'll spend hours doing it and I'm just yeah. like oh wow <laughs> yeah this is something it's of an eye-opener <laughs> it definitely so is when you got your diagnosis did you go down like a therapy route or did you decide to go on medication I decided that I wanted to try medication the way um, I'm not sure with everywhere but right to choose was kind of like given those two options I think of either is it C um CBT? CBT, CBT, or the medication. I thought, okay, let me try this medication, see if it will kind of help with the concentration. And then, yeah, so gone through the titration period for about six months and I'm I'm still confused. I feel like sometimes I feel like it's really working well for me and then other days I'm like, I'm not sure, but I'm never sure if that's just other stuff exacerbated because obviously you still have to, you know, your sleep and other things. I'm always fighting with it, but I think it is definitely there's days where I really feel like it's helping so yeah Yeah. because also we've done we've heard a lot about again this hormonal thing so like Mm. the week before my period I might as well not be taking anything yeah so so, yeah I'm about to start something else as well just for that week to see if it helps because all of a sudden I've just like got no energy can't concentrate well nonsense and it's interesting that you say it was either cbt or medication yeah there was no offer of both i'm guessing yeah and that's where it it often feels like there's that inconsistency when you speak to different people with the whole diagnosis process because when yeah i went through psychiatry uk that's how they positioned it and i was like well it'd be great to have both if possible but I was it was phrased that I have to have one yeah. or the other and there's studies that have shown that the two together are like the best I just think it, I find it very interesting because I've just started titration as well and I'm going through some realizations about how my procrastinating isn't just from from having ADHD well it is as from having symptom. ADHD but it's also from years of undiagnosed ADHD yes and the fact that I have lack of confidence and mm-hmm. and fear of failure and yes. don't want to start overthinking things, things yeah. yeah yeah so it's not just the med the medication's not going to fix exactly that. that needs to come with help and support to get me over yeah, I think so to kind of understand that whole journey and yeah that's why I think stuff I'm like learning. that ADHD yeah. coaching like you said unlearning these stuff are it's also yeah. important to help with the journey Mm-hmm. Can I ask as well, you know, so uh, your partner had to answer questions. Did you have to have any proof? Like, did you have to have anybody from your past or like any school reports or anything like that? Yeah, because people said that. I don't think I showed or they asked anything like that, having to go that far back. Because people have said that before, that they had a parent. And I know when I especially speak to lots of sometimes people from um, Black women community and stuff, there's sometimes that anxiety because like I haven't even had that conversation with my family yet to have to go that far back. Yeah. But I wasn't. I don't know if because the work kind of assessment was sent, that was some kind oh, of yeah, evidence and they true. had some information in that. Yeah. They didn't actually ask for anything else. Past, no, I, guess. I, I didn't either, but you did. Yeah, I did. Well, I was I went through the NHS process and mm. then decided to go private because of the time things were taking. Mm-hmm. But in both instances, they want they wanted the school reports and um, and I had a report from an educational psychologist as well from a university so oh. I gave that to them as well and yeah, I yeah, I not don't have been able to find yeah, I don't know I would not know yeah. what a school report is a uni report so maybe it was because I think with my work one 
they asked my manager something at the time so maybe some of that stuff I think was incorporated in yeah. the work one and things like that and maybe that's what they thought was some kind of guide to yeah, but yeah nothing yeah. further from like childhood or anything like that it's just it's interesting because you think that there would be more consistency between and I think and yeah, I also, so, another thing yeah. that I always kind of worry about yeah about how yeah. This is, there doesn't seem to be any consistency no with consistency. the process like we we were both private Mm-hmm. in the same city and it was oh, completely wow. different yeah and and like for me I, I think in a way it's actually quite ableist because if we can say that you know us ADHD is we can be prone to conflict sometimes like who's to say that you've got any mates or if you're over yeah. a certain age yeah. that you have any family that can vouch like, for you yeah and and maybe you're such a master of masking what do they know anyway they exactly which is it's so interesting isn't it and it's yeah. just yeah even in that sense, because yeah, that's what I always thought about when I later had the conversation with my mom. She was like, oh, why didn't you get me to do it? And I would have been. But I think, yeah, some of that and that's a whole other conversation. I was like, I don't know if you would even be able to give yeah. that full reality and some of the masking I've done with you or some of the like it is. Yeah, it's so interesting. The process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there may be some of the things that can make it harder for people yeah. on the journey. Well, that's it. So what do you think undiagnosed ADHD has cost you? Oh, what has it cost me? A lot of things. I think when I think about it relationships I think it has to some degree I think even in my like relationship with my fiance who is amazing I think it's been such a journey for us too because I know I am like not always the cleanest I'm a hoarder (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I try to do things a certain way and I think I mentioned in my TEDx I think one line is a lifetime of good intentions but failing to execute so that's a line that I said and I feel like that just sums up my life where it's like you always have the best intentions. Like I want to do things right, but I'm just not. So I feel like it's cost that a lot of times in our relationship and really having to like have conversations and put ADHD strategies in place and, you know, coming into a room and just leaving something somewhere, forgetting about like all those things. I think it's definitely cost that in relationships, people kind of not understanding why certain things are so hard for you to do or why you keep on repeating same behaviours that you've probably like had conversations about. I think, yeah, lack of boundaries, I think is something that, I've often yeah. had and I think loads of ADHDs have I think a lot of like overcompensating so I feel like the things I wasn't good at I would overcompensate and I feel like in friendships whilst I think a lot of ADHDs I've probably had a breakdown in friendships maybe from the opposite of some ADHDs where I almost try and do too much sometimes I think there's always a high expectation and then when I can't always deliver that way that can cause problems or being feeling like I'm being taken advantage of because I think yeah. I've always tried to overcompensate in friendships and be like let me be that friend who does look like I'm doing it all or everything but really I'm masking kind of other things I'm not dealing with well so I think yeah there's that people pleasing I think a lot of ADHD is yeah, having I think that's caused one. that's such a new one because like we, we we were talking about boundaries a lot I actually put a post out today but like in terms of that doing too much like I really relate to that like and and also I, I can see things in front of me sort of irritating me like like somebody that keeps taking and keeps taking keeps taking and I think yeah. well I can take it I can take it I can take yeah. it and then I'm like no I can't and that's it's it, that's it. <laughs> yeah so I feel like I've definitely had that and definitely yeah it can become that cycle of doing too much for people people but being like well they haven't really asked that from you so why are you doing that and then and then getting upset because that's like it's probably unfair so yeah I think there's been a lot of that and yeah compensating and yeah overspending debt loads of yeah yeah (laughs) the literal cost (laughs) yeah the literal cost and everything else yeah Yeah. (laughs) and and so what do you think has changed for you since your diagnosis um I think the main thing is being kinder having more grace for myself I feel yeah. like that that self-compassion because like understanding that there's more 
two things and it's not that you know I'm like incompetent or not intelligent which I felt with for so many like years where it's like why am I trying yeah. so hard and things aren't working out it's just there's a different way I need to do things and there's just yes. strategies I need to put into place and I just need to be kinder to myself so I think that it's done that I think it's also has helped with relationships a lot more I remember like when I did side it because I had quite a bit of anxiety about speaking to my I think mum about it and my dad who I'm sure has ADHD and we've now had like kind of conversations about it but yeah I feel like especially culturally and um, being an immigrant, being from a British Guardian family, there's a lot of, I think, things where we're kind of taught to work twice as hard and things like that. So you always feel like there's, and I've looked, looking back on my journey, I always feel like they were always the things I thought, oh, I'm just not working hard enough and all these yes. things. So I think being able to have those conversations and I remember speaking to my mom about it and saying that, oh, this is what it is. Initially, she kind of not exactly fobbed off, but she was like, oh, but you did well in school and you've achieved so much. Look at all this stuff you've done. I don't think mm. that's what it is. And I'm like, no, I've had like, an official diagnosis and conversation it's not you know it's not about my intelligence it just means there's different ways I need to work stuff and then when we really had that conversation she understood things more so yeah. like I think yeah it's really helped relationships so she'll come back and be like oh yeah I want to help like I know this is the way that is better for you to understand things so I thought I'd send it to you in this way and like same with my boyfriend if you say he's always trying to like help make my he's like become very obsessed with trying to make this more ADHD friendly he's like oh you wouldn't be so messy if you knew what this was and we put stickers here and there so I feel like it's really helped relationships and stuff as well so yeah I think that it's just yeah being able to kind of create that space for conversation and to put like things in place that are ADHD friendly that's really lovely. Yeah. And just just because it popped into my head, like to circle back, like obviously everything that you've achieved, everything that you're doing, like, I mean, some some forms of ADHD are need to do all the things and we're doing all the things and spinning all the plates all of the time. Like, do you feel that what you've accomplished, like your diagnosis has helped you to do that? Or were you always doing that many things? I think I've I've always tried to do too much and I think that is based on the that is probably part of the ADHD of overcompensating people pleasing wanting to and the positives of ADHD I think a lot of us we are empathetic people like I think we have and really want like kind of social justice and fairness and I think that is probably a lot of because we've dealt with a lot of criticism and things like that so I think that's probably as I understand my ADHD better I thought it was always more just kind of being more like a minority person used to being in space. But mm-hmm. I think it's all of that stuff together. So yeah. I think, oh, I've already forgotten the question. Everything I achieved, is that what you're asking? Yeah, like, do you feel like it, it pushed you, you know, like everything that you're doing, for example, you were talking about being a neurodiversity advocate and everything, that's obviously mm-hmm. come afterwards, right? Yeah. But in terms of all the other work that you were doing, like, do you feel that getting your diagnosis has, has pushed you to do more or were you always doing everything? <laughs> yeah I think I was definitely doing everything before and I think now I probably feel a sense of trying to do even more which is good and bad with it <laughs> just trying to find the balance but I think yeah now I feel more like oh I've like finally kind of got this diagnosis and understanding and I want people to be able to have that especially like younger girls and stuff to have it earlier like I'm sure you, you women are so grateful as well getting it now but you just think yeah. oh imagine being able to get that in school and imagine so I think it's kind of pushed me to I think I've always had that passion to like help underserved groups and especially I think the reason why I got into the civil service I didn't really understand much about it until like after union I was like okay they these are the people who kind of work with government public service Mm -hmm. and like can kind of help I guess communities who don't often feel seen and heard by government to kind of get that message out there so that's why I kind of went into it so I feel like I've always had that passion to want to help people who don't feel heard and I think like now 
my ADHD diagnosis I guess is making me want to do that more with yeah like certain groups and communities who feel unseen yeah yeah I I, I can relate to that like I guess it comes from kind of feeling like a bit of an underdog yourself yeah yeah like I've always been one that supports the underdog like I remember doing Camp America years ago and there was a kid that just didn't quite fit in and I was it was it was my mission to get everyone to love this kid yeah my mom always says that this is a good kid so I'm just like you know and to be fair they they did like he was a funny kid and he just you know just was a little bit socially awkward and yeah. whatnot. And I was just like, no, I'm getting involved. And I think it's that, always, yeah. always been driven to do that. Because I think it is, it's that justice sensitivity thing that we hear about a lot. Yeah, that's the but phrase. I, yeah, yeah. I also think there's like, with that empathy as well that you're talking about, there's like a, there's like a duty behind it. And I, mm. I always feel a bit like, if I know that I can make a difference, then that sort of means I have to, like, you can't. Yeah, you're so right, that sense of like, yeah, like, it is that purpose that you have to almost do it, you can't leave it, so yeah. Yeah. And and now since having a diagnosis, that drive to help people that, you know. Need to access it. That need help and you don't want them to go through what you've gone through. And Exactly. If you can do something and make a change to that, then why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so there are positives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are finding this podcast helpful and you're in a position to do so, we are asking that you help us by signing up to our Patreon. In pledges starting at just £4 a month, it will give you access to our We Are ADHD AF community forum in which we are both active members and we all support and learn from each other. You will also get access to behind the scenes content, exclusives, offers, blogs, vlogs, the works, everything in the kitchen sink. Your pledge will also mean that we will be able to continue to put out weekly episodes of ADHD as Females, the podcast. Alternatively, if you would prefer just to make a donation, you can do so by visiting in buymeacoffee.com forward slash ADHD as females. We know that our words are helping people in 164 countries and counting. We really appreciate your support in supporting us to continue supporting the ADHD community. If you are ADHD AF and you want more ADHD AF, join the We Are ADHD AF community. www.patreon.com forward slash ADHD as females. We always refer to the late diagnosis be, being like a grief cycle. So where do you feel like you are on the late diagnosis roller coaster? I think I'm, I talk about it in as well, but you kind of go through that. Yeah, you do go through that diagnosis, that process, don't you, of grief where initially you do, like I felt validated on one hand and like liberated feeling like, oh my God, finally I've got an answer. But then you have that anger. Why did things take so long? And and some of that shame. I feel like I am at that acceptance stage where I'm proudly talking about it. I um, feel yeah. like a long time I wouldn't really. It'd only be in cer- certain circles, and now obviously I've kind of put myself in this advocate space in the last few years. I have been like publicly speaking, publicly speaking about things. I think there can still be that shame sometimes in certain things, and I feel like yeah. I do sometimes have not the sh- yeah shame with certain things. I feel like oh, why aren't I better? Would I be better for certain things, or if it wasn't for my ADHD or so, yeah, and I feel like even though I am doing this in the public forum and, and stuff, I feel like there's still conversations with families and, and stuff like that that I'm still trying to, like, navigate. So I feel like yeah. sometimes there's that shame, which is why I'm so passionate, especially, like, in my community to make sure people don't, there is that, not that stigma. stigma but, yeah, yeah, I think I'm definitely at that, like, acceptance stage and That's I'm proud. Fantastic. Yes. What about, um, I was just thinking, you know, with all of this, with your feelings of justice sensitivity, with wanting to make a difference, when you see people struggling, like, are you able to 
you know make space for it but not carry it because that's something that we've struggled with quite a lot is you know and people are telling you what they're going through because you understand like if actually you get it sometimes it can really throw you back Mm. and make make you really sad because you're right there with them you know it is hard and I'm always trying to yeah give that advice and try to take myself of being careful not to carry too much burdens because you have to also protect your uh, mental space and of course we we get burnt out (laughs) a lot more than people so it's hard it's hard to find that balance because you do always want to help but yeah I don't know I I don't know if I can give an honest answer because I'm still trying to navigate that myself but I just try and yeah it's a tough one one. I think for us like definitely like I know um so I got diagnosed last January so it's been a year and for a really long time there I was really angry (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like it was just there all the time mm-hmm. and and it was good because we could channel it yeah to fuel getting going and doing this but mm-hmm. it was like gosh I really hope this wears out soon because I'm really angry but it has it has passed now I think I still get angry but I'm not like raging all not the time. every day angry, not yeah. all day every day <laughs> thank god <Yeah>. I know <laughs> Um, so if, if you could implement change to the diagnostic process, what would that be? Like oh, magic wand stuff, fix it now, oh. what are we doing? I don't know, I feel like a lot of it can often feel like it's just kind of based around, not everybody else, but kind of, I just feel like the way ADHD and sometimes the things are phrasing it is just how you kind of inconvenience every everyone else and not kind <laughs> yeah. of really about how, like, to make things better and some of like the positives, I think, also just it's too admin I think it's it's the whole process is really ADHD unfriendly I think it requires yeah. a lot of admin kind of kind of remembering appointments I think yeah the diagnosis process does need to think and look at how things like manifest differently in women and how you know we often internalize things and obviously there is that kind of inattentive and hyperactive that comes up in it but I think sometimes yeah a lot of things are really and obviously a lot of the research has been done which is why I think yes. men are still three times more likely boys predominantly white hetero cis boys so I think there definitely needs to be a lot more of that research into um women from those different backgrounds LGBTQ there needs to be like I think a lot of funding and research into how kind of ADHD shows in lots of different groups yes so yeah I think that's something and yeah just like we talked about earlier just this kind of navigate there needs to be more consistency in the confusion with the process just a standard yeah I thought it was just the different processes of kind of NHS right to choose and private but to hear the inconsistencies within those I think is concerning and obviously every single person is different and and like we say there's different minority groups and, and it does affect people differently but surely they can still have a cleaner a cleaner standard system that's more consistent across the board and taking into consideration and it can it can tail off to different angles for the specific person but even just having a base level for for the starting point yeah so we we've been um really pushing people to like answer the surveys for the debate on oh, Monday. Oh yes, of course, Leanne. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And oh, quite yes. a lot of people have shared um what the MP wrote back to our template letter we kind of got out. And what's been really interesting is that the stat, well, there's been pretty standardised responses, but it's been a lot like focused on children or focused on that there's just not been anything, even though we've written a very specific late diagnosed female mm-hmm. ADHD perspective, mm-hmm. there hasn't been much recognition of that at yeah. all. So even within it, we're still 
still not getting heard which is really frustrating especially mm, when you yeah. consider like we said so many of us the pandemic and all yeah, of that that lost generation yeah, yeah 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 so that's no. interesting but we hope for change and we'll soldier on yes we will oh we'll yes run. I need to make sure I'm tuned in yeah. into the debate because yeah I think it's so important yeah it's amazing that that's been able to get there and people yeah I filled it in and people are feeling it's really yeah. important mm-hmm. yeah so Tell us some positives. I know we've already, I know we've already spoken about some positives, <laughs> yeah. but but positive sides of ADHD since diagnosis in, in, the, the in the world, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think our creativity. I mean, I think yeah, you women a testament to that. What you've been able to kind of do with it, like your platform as well. When I we're just flying by know, the seat of our pants, we don't have a clue what we're doing. <laughs> but I think that's what I think is so good about a lot of us ADHDers. I think in that sense, where it's like get stuck in. I, literally, I kind of and yeah, that could be a good and bad thing about me. I'm like, I will figure it out. I'm just going to give it a go and see and like navigate <laughs> yeah, our way through it. It's the risk taking, the impulsiveness. Yes, Sometimes exactly. that can actually yeah, be I can a, create be amazing stuff. So I think yeah, that empathy I think yeah you just, like I said before tend to be like hugely empathetic and caring and want to really make change what else is there I think the hyper focus when it is can be really channeled into something good I think it's amazing as well it's like I, it's like you said that's why it's so important to have the understanding in the workplace because then exactly. you can you know there's so much shown about people ADHD is in the workplace being underutilized like mm-hmm. not not living up to the things that they can achieve because mm-hmm. they're not being harnessed and used and championed in the things that they can actually do exactly. we have somebody in our community who was talking about that today yeah. her employers are neurodivergent so they really spoke to her about you know like what enthuses you what could you know yes. what do you do and then it's like right well you're golden off you go exactly. you're gonna work work away quite interesting I spoke I was speaking to friends this weekend about jobs Mm. and and one of my friends was saying that the role that she works in they're kind of pushing her to 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 step up and become a manager but she she's like I don't want to manage people she 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 works you know with programming and that's that's her area and she's she's happy to like head up that department as in like specialize and some people to approach her if they need help in Mm -hmm. that area Mm -hmm. but she doesn't want to be a people manager and a lot of companies keep pushing you it's like why don't you want to step you know climb the ladder why don't you want to like do this like you can't just be happy where you are and and some people are yeah exactly employers need to stop pushing people to Mm -hmm. climb the ladder when that's not necessarily the area that they want to go and banging your head against a wall if somebody's up against something and they're still and they keep not being able to do it then Mm. like read the room that doesn't mean push harder it means exactly something else or doing it yeah. a different way and I don't I feel like yeah. there's not enough of that and I'm really passionate about that like with people I've managed in the past as well having like um a form that someone sent me that was really helpful in terms of like personal preferences work adjustments yes. like how do you like to work what hours do you like to work what how do you like feedback to be communicated to you like these are all things that are really helpful to you can't presume that just having a what one system is going to help everyone it's not going to benefit people yeah because that's the thing right is that we are all different ADHD and and ASD everything this huge spectrum is like it's going to present in every single person differently with the different things that they have going on in their life I've got a friend who uh, finally told their employer and their solution was they were going to build like a glass box for her to be in so that she didn't have to hear the noise or get distracted. And she's like, 
so they'd read it somewhere that that's how you make you know your office neurodivergent friendly or something she was just like no because now you're segregating me and yeah. I'm like a weirdo <laughs> oh, my box. Like, oh my lord oh my god size fits all we are individuals it's utilizing each employee each person for the skills that they have exactly support them how to how they can thrive yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's ridiculous i can't believe that was really going to be put in place (laughs) i mean a for effort but come on Yeah, start with asking her how she thinks, like, yeah. what will work well for her, how they oh. can support her, and if she doesn't, un- or because that's nothing I'm passionate about. A lot of the time, people don't have the language or know, like, I didn't know for a long time it was yeah. it was ADHD or anything like that, or some people aren't comfortable with the labels, whatever it is. I think it's important that, you know, you really understand what works for people, what doesn't, if they don't understand that they, you get somebody who can talk through that with them to work, to see what's best for them. But yeah, yeah. definitely not just one size fits all, imp- especially, no. yeah, not the glass. <laughs> though isn't it because before I knew anything about it because I worked for myself online well for different people but like self-employed and and I would always keep a Wednesday free and everyone was like why 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 and I didn't even have the language or know why but it's like right Monday I'm at it I'm gonna go Tuesday I've still got the momentum Wednesday absolutely yeah yeah, it makes sense. And, and that's <laughs> it. It's, it's not a one size fits all. And that's yeah. and that's why companies, when they're doing these reviews and yeah. saying, what's your five year plan? Like, well, yeah, I hope you're aiming to be like the next CEO. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not for everyone. Yeah. And then you can't then ridicule that person because they don't want to climb the ladder. Conforming to it's the like strategy. Yeah. No, let's use yeah. them and utilize them exactly. in the areas that they are good and they yeah. can excel in. Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. Exactly. So yeah, neurodivergent friendly. There's no such thing, really, is there? <laughs> <laughs> it's just figuring it out, figuring Absolutely. it out person to person, and supporting people. So, is there anything else that you want to add? We can speak more about what you do. Yeah, and like specific point you would like to get across. Yeah, I could just talk a bit more about yeah, kind of like my passion for advocating, like I said earlier, for Black women kind of yeah. getting diagnosis and understanding the kind of diagnosis process because I think there is such it can be a real hard like process to navigate but I'm really passionate about it especially kind of about that representation and communities I think it is really important yeah that there is kind of I think as I said earlier on like some more of that research into kind of looking at an array of people when it comes to ADHD and I think also I think a lot of the time sometimes healthcare education as well kind of need to assess some of their policies and, and look and think is there maybe some unconscious or conscious bias with some stuff? Because definitely in engaging with a lot of Black women, I've often heard their experiences in navigating the kind of diagnosis process and really feeling like they have to proper advocate for themselves. They're kind of being minimised. They're being told it's probably something else or it doesn't seem... Why do you think that is? Like, what what is it that's being minimised? Like, what is the the stereotype or the idea that that is, is, is stunting this? What do you think? So I think there's... A array of things I think especially for a lot of black women I think um there's often a lot of like ex- ex- I think expectations and pressures around black women so there's often that um strong black woman trope and I think a lot of the time yeah. there's a lot of things that I've even had to understand with myself and I think why I often felt a lot of that internalized shame was black women are often taught that kind of this should be domesticated they should be nurturers mm-hmm. they're strong they can handle kind of a lot of things which is why I think generally in the healthcare system you see in a lot of different things that there is kind of that gap in addressing how um black women's needs with maternity things like that there is those significant disparities and I think a lot of come out about the idea that there's kind of this idea that they can handle pain and stuff a bit better so I think sometimes in the diagnosis process that can be 
the experience where it's minimized or presumed it's something else and mm. I think yeah sometimes that own internalized pressure so because of that and being associated with that strength it can be hard I think for those women to even articulate that or think that it could be something like ADHD so I think that's why but the also on top of on top of the perceptions is there is them having to fight against the the ideology <clears throat> excuse me put on them exactly. to be strong and to not ask for help kind of thing yeah. yeah so I think that's why the whole representation is really important and like being able to normalize it in black communities to create safe spaces I know you've had the ADHD babes on and they do amazing work for to create that support that yeah. safe space so I think it is it was so empowering for me when I got that, my diagnosis so, oh no when I had no the first time I went to ADHD babes I was going through the diagnosis process right. but it yeah. did feel liberated to see other women because at that stage I didn't know any like black women with ADHD so there was, still was kind of that shame of well who do you speak about this with who in your friendship like where do you kind of navigate this idea that it's ADHD is that something that and the, and with mental health and stuff there is still some of that stigma in community yeah. in the black community and because of the relationship black communities have had with kind of practitioners before yeah and it, I guess if people be... if people aren't speaking about it in your community it makes it even harder for yeah. you to figure out who to talk to and exactly yeah. you feel even more well, alone you feel so and... segregated that you would yeah. not out yourself so to speak exactly. more alone more shameful yeah. it makes it even harder to advocate for yourself and then so you're already trying to, to fight against it fight a system angle. that's already difficult to to advocate yourself in front of and yeah it just makes yeah. it 10 times harder Exactly. So I am so grateful. And when I did do more research, like I have to shout out, yeah, ADHD babes. Um, Adulting with Rach, she writes amazing blogs about mm-hmm. navigating ADHD in the workplace and she's a black woman. And yeah, there's like, there's so many people out there when you kind of do do the research, you are assigned to do that yeah. stuff and it's so important. And I have to shout actually the um, Waterloo Road, seeing that, like, I don't know if you've seen the, the storyline they did and to see like a young yeah. black girl, the forefront of that, I was like, that's so important. So there are people who can see yeah. that and see like in the education process, supporting children that young and making sure the tools. So I, I thought that was really good to like see that on yeah, TV. So yeah. I think, yeah, all that stuff kind of helps break stigma and create conversations in communities. And yeah. I think it's important for more practitioners there to be that diversity with psychiatrists and things like that, because for various things, there is some a lot of that kind of distrust sometimes in black communities with the education system where they're more likely to kind of be labeled as troublesome and yes. things like that. And in the healthcare system, there can be, that lack of trust in practitioners so there needs to be more of that diversity as well yeah Yeah. 100% I was so shocked when when we did speak to Shauna and Vivian from the ADHD babes Vivian had been struck off hadn't she yeah so she she had her diagnosis she had her medication Mm -hmm. and then she missed like two appointments or something and Mm -hmm. they said oh you're no longer here and that's that yeah, I remember her saying that. We had a conversation. I thought that's crazy. And funny enough, that reminded me with Psychiatry UK because they did message me a few weeks ago and said something similar. We hadn't heard from you in a while. And I was like, oh, I'm just kind of going through the meds at the moment. So I haven't really yeah. thought. But you also feel like it's not the most, when you're trying to do 101 things, it isn't the most yeah. ADHD friendly to like, you forget. So I was like, yeah. that reminded me. And this conversation reminded me that I better message them again because that could <laughs> yeah. happen to me in the next few See weeks. Later. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, yeah, the process, it can often feel like, yeah, just churning people out and not yeah not supporting them in the long haul which is a shame Mm. yeah well I really like I don't know it's funny isn't it like we're in such a crisis like from all angles but I just really do hold out hope like I really do I just feel like with everyone coming together we're having these conversations you know okay you've got the it's a trend brigade but hopefully they'll shut up at some point Mm -hmm. you know and we you know change is going to happen it is it has to it has to 
and we'll keep you know, it in yeah, exactly. yeah, you women are part of what we're doing I think having these conversations like you said yeah but it is helping it and it is about changing the systems and it does help as I always say a lot of this stuff will help everyone in the long run if it's you know thin these things are done and put in place it makes it easier for everyone yeah yeah and that's it so we'll keep spreading awareness keep and we'll keep going. keep talking about it and keep coming together and keep fighting and yeah and hopefully hopefully we'll hear some good news right? yes I have to keep an eye out yeah oh yeah, yeah no it's gonna be yeah yeah thank you yeah. so get it on that on that platform it's hugely important so yeah, that's absolutely. amazing she's so absolutely. proud um so yeah i think that's us oh well the most important the most, the most important question mm-hmm. is um what's the most adhd thing you've done this week oh god what it probably always is is, is over committing over committing this week to things and then realizing this week that i've committed to a lot of stuff so yeah definitely obviously I'm do I'm speaking at like this women in leadership conference tomorrow for oh, part of the civil service. I haven't put the presentation together. <laughs> I was supposed to send it to them this morning. I was oh, like, I'm just, just gonna have it. to I was like, I'm just gonna have to send it to you tomorrow morning, the slides when I work out what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's just yeah, that and just all these things where I'm like, yeah, I agreed to do them weeks before, and then it's like how are you going to do all this and how are you going to actually fit the time to prepare for them? So, yeah, I yeah. think that's... What? You mean there's only 24 hours in a day? Yeah, <laughs> like, why? <laughs> it's not enough. So, yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll smash it. That's what our CDs do. Yeah. Yeah. do best. Yeah, we'll come together. Minutes. We are last minute wonders. We always pull through in the end, Thank you so much for your time. It's been so oh, lovely. Thank to you. It's been so good to speak to you, bro. I know. It's been lovely. To, we hope to speak to you again. Yes. Yeah, so. Have a great evening. Thank, thank you. you Take too. care. Bye. How much do you love her? She's an absolute <laughs> you the best. Thank yeah. you so much, Abigail. It was such a joy to speak to you. And we are in awe of your amazing plate spinning skills extraordinaire. Oh, that's it. She's just doing so much. And yeah. it's just incredible. Yeah, she's doing amazing work. So, yes, good on you, Abigail. So, what's the most ADHD thing you've done this week? This week? Probably when I came back, I was away down in Newcastle this weekend visiting a friend and I came back and I parked the car and I had a bottle of juice mm. that I just bought. Juice being fizzy. Nothing to do with fruit. Yeah. <laughs> what, what we call it up here, just a fizzy a fizzy pop. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I took the bottle and I put it on the roof of my car and as I laid it down, I said to myself, do not forget this bottle mm-hmm. because I needed to put it down to grab my bags and... Obviously, what, what did I do? Make up the next morning. Yeah, so I forgot the bottle. So I, I completely, it didn't even exist to me anymore. And I'm walking out to my car to go to uni and I just see this bottle on top of my car. And I, instantly <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you forgot the bottle. At least it was fresh for the morning. Well, to be fair, someone said to me, they're like, did you drink it? And I'm like, well, yeah, it was in the same place I'd left it the night before. They're like, well, someone <laughs> peed in it or something. And I'm like, but it was like ice cold. It was just perfect. It was delicious. <laughs> So I'm like, I didn't, didn't even need to put it in the fridge. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Morning, <laughs> morning treat. <laughs> exactly. What about you? Well, I'm going to go a little bit off piece here. So um, I have mentioned in the past that I have auditory processing disorder. Not diagnosed, discovered through a meme. But I know that's what I have. I've yeah. always struggled. I, I went to see, I don't even know, an ear doctor. I had all the tests. I was actually given hearing aids for a little while and it didn't make a difference because as ever, I can hear the volume. It's the words that I can't distinguish. And yeah. so I since found out about auditory processing disorder. So going to London, navigating the tube system or the rest of it, totally fine. Absolutely fine. What I've realised stresses me out is tannoys. 
because I don't have a clue what they're saying. Mm. So if I'm here at Tannoy, I immediately go into a bit of an anxious state because I'm worried that they're saying something really important yeah. that I'm going to miss. Yeah. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time in London doing that. There's one guy on this tube to Brixton that was just literally like, just like narrating the whole journey. And I was getting infuriated. Like, I'm sure all he was saying is next stop this and blah, 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 all the rest of it. But I suddenly, I just, I, de- I just noticed it myself I just thought it was interesting to share because we always talk about this identifying your issues yeah and I without thinking about it I've obviously done that my whole life Mm. and not really realized why it makes me so angry and stressed and it's because I can't I don't have a clue what they're saying yeah not one clue I just catch the end of things but if there's like a long announcement the whole middle is gone I have no idea what they've said yeah yeah it stresses me out I can understand that yeah So we've only got time for one from our followers, and this one's a special one. So it made me laugh to begin with anyway. Launched a book and a song in one week, then trying to work 65 hours, surviving on Concerta XL, and living on no sleep and eating junk food for getting to drink water. Ha, ha, ha. Sounds like the story of both of our lives. <laughs> except not, not so much the book and song, but yeah. Planning splits. That's Pl- what I was going to say. But congratulations to you. So this is Dream Walls, who is Hannah Huxford, singer and author, and her book, The Secret Diary of an ADHD Martyr, A Girl Gone Wild, will be out soon. So go to her page and listen to her song and read her book. And we salute you. Well done, lovely. Yeah, well but done. Please, drink some water. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. Do that. Um, Um, And that takes us over to the ADHD AF rabbit hole. So my rabbit hole this week has definitely been the activism stuff. And I was all G'd up to go to the protest. And then Kat very kindly was giving me pointers and then suddenly put the fear of God into me that I was actually going to get arrested, even though she was just being really, really helpful. She's like, write this number on your arm and do this. And I was just like... She was totally chilled. And I was like, oh, my God, the one thing my husband said to me today was, don't you dare get arrested. And she was like, no, Laura, you're not going to get arrested. That's what I'm saying. It's like 99% not going to get arrested. I'm just giving this to you to make you feel better. I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> How about you? Well, obviously, I've been in this animal noise in, diff- in different countries rabbit hole for never, some time. What, is it three weeks now? No, and I did say last week I was going to speak to my Danish friend okay, who I was okay. seeing at the weekend. So that's not been my rabbit hole, but I did find out... Well, the one that I found with the, the most humorous was how they say the cockerel noise, yeah. which ours is obviously cock-a-doodle-doo. Mm. That's what we say. But in, in, in Denmark, and obviously I recorded it, so this is what they say for cock-a-doodle-doo in Danish. But my actual rabbit hole this week has been just trying to get my life in some kind of organisation kind of place. Like I started the week off really anxious because I just was overwhelmed with everything that I have to do. But I've also realised that I can kind of combat that anxiousness by planning everything and creating a system. (laughs) I know, by creating a system. And so I've been my mentor at uni was like let's get a timetable she can see that I have timetables and like a diary and a plan but she's like you don't have one that's everything all together specifically for you yeah so she's like it's fine having one with Laura which is joint and stuff but you're not getting a clear view of your day yes so she kind of pushed me on to doing that and I sort of started this colour coordinated spreadsheet with everything that I have
have on and just doing that has made me feel 10 times better that's already amazing. so that's i've been really, really i've really focused on that so that's been my rabbit hole and i'm still i'm still still work in progress but yeah like i'm enjoying it and it's like definitely yeah. my, my my little rabbit that's hole brilliant. and we do we really got to get organized as difficult as that is for both of us to do otherwise we're gonna start dropping plates yeah and there's so much that we're now you know losing focus on like we haven't really talked that much more about our amazing t-mill collaborative products yeah, the and, they're so cool. and we just don't have time to do anything but thank you to everybody for all of your support and we are tr- we are doing our best and very soon we will have all of the tour info out and then that's another job and we can get back on and bring out more merch and 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 just keep pushing with the activism stuff and yeah and if going. you have purchased any of our merchandise then we'd love to see pictures yes so please tag us send us pics really. yeah and thank you to everyone who not just those that have joined the community which we love literally life-changing for yeah. us it's been so incredible um but also to those that have donated through our buy me a coffee page because yeah. we really really appreciate we it we could not be doing any of no. this without you no really so thank you so much for helping us to continue to to spread the word and raise awareness and with your support we can keep going so. you're a bunch of legends bunch of legends we love you should we shut mm-hmm. up yeah let's shut up thank you <laughs> bye bye ADHD as females ADHD AF ADHD as females the pie